Courage to Hope with Tony LaGreca is a show supporting the fight for sobriety against substance abuse and changing the stigma that comes along with it. Tony's been helping families, friends, and loved ones discover recovery services as well as coping skills for over six years following the death of his own son to opioids. Join Tony and his guests each week as they reveal the courage to hope. Here's your host, Tony LaGreca. Thank you, Ben. This is Tony LaGreca, and this is The Courage to Hope. And tonight, my guest is, we'll say, is, um, is Heath Gordon, better known as Gordo to his friends. I got that right, Heath? You got you got that right. I, I Not too many people call me Heath, except okay. my mom. We'll call you Gordo then, so. That uh, works. In, been in sobriety for 12 years? Yeah, 12, 12 years coming up uh, this January will be uh, lucky uh, 13. Okay, well, I, that's really a good story right out of the gate to talk about. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, um, you know, just the past, uh, at least touch on the last, uh, you know, 12 years. It's, um, you know, it's been a lot of up and downs. And uh, I actually just told this story not too long ago. Or I shared a bit of my story on a uh, on a sports podcast, a hockey podcast, and uh, yeah. So I, I guess I guess starting out, you know, I had a, a fairly normal childhood. Um, you know, grew up in the Boston area. Um, I guess at face value, I would say, you know, pretty normal. Um, you know, my parents didn't have a ton of money. My um, my dad was a fireman and my mom was a hairdresser. Um, you know, at, at sometimes at some points we didn't have uh, two nickels to rub together, I guess you could say. Um, but you know, my, my parents did work very hard and, um, you know, try to give my sister and I, you know, every opportunity, um, as best as they could. Um, and, uh, you know, had friends, played a lot of sports growing up. And once I got to probably high school age, you know, athletics really kind of started to take off for me, uh, specifically hockey. Um, and I was lucky enough to have some opportunities to go play at some uh, great schools. Um, uh, and ended up uh, graduating from a prep school, uh, Cushing Academy here. Uh, out in, uh, in Massachusetts, out in Western Mass, and uh, had a great career there. Um, met some great people from all over the world. And, uh, and then I, I, from there, I went out and played junior hockey out in uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin, for a team, the Green Bay Gamblers. And um, I think it was probably, I want to say around that time, I drank a little bit in high school, you know, I wouldn't say anything out of the ordinary from, you know, most normal kids. Um, and I, you know, there's a, probably a lot that goes into it. I mean, me personally, I, I think, you know, at this point in my life, you know, I'm coming up on, you know, 13 years of sobriety, you know, obviously you take a lot of time to reflect and think about things, but uh, you know, playing a contact sport, Obviously, hockey's a, a pretty, a pretty, you know, brutal, vicious sport. Um, a lot of head trauma, a lot of head contact, and um, 
I do, you know, remember that year that I was playing junior hockey. Um, I got knocked unconscious, uh, just, you know, kind of a normal play and just someone on the other team took a, a cheap shot and uh, put my lights out pretty good and uh, didn't know where I was for a little while. And I, it, I really kind of felt like that point really kind of set some things off for me. Um, you know, no, again, I don't know if that's, it's a, it's a tough thing to kind of pinpoint, but I kind of feel like around that time is when I started to, you know, I started using alcohol to kind of mask some stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I finished off the season kind of up and down, you know, I wasn't really, you know, really into the drug scene, you know, um, you know, definitely experimented and did some stuff, but, um, as a kid, but I, you know, that wasn't really my, my cup of tea. Um, and, uh, and then I went to college and then, you know, from pretty much once I stepped foot on college, I felt like I'd kind of arrived. Um, you know, I had a lot going on. I, you know, personally, you know, got to experience a lot of great things through hockey. Um, I got a full scholarship to play college hockey at, uh, um, Providence college, uh, great school. And, uh, you know, I kind of felt like I had, you know, arrived and made it and got to, you know, obviously my, my end goal was to play in the NHL. I got drafted by the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, you know, my end goal was to certainly play, you know, in the NHL someday. Um, but as far as like, you know, being an adult and kind of that first, like, you know, and obviously college, it's, it's a, you know, it's a partying culture and, um, kids experiment with all sorts of stuff. And, um, you know, so being a 18 year old kid and kind of being able to, you know, be free and, you know, experiment with some stuff and, and obviously like, you know, getting into bars and all that sort of stuff was, you know, and once I, once I kind of found the bar scene a little bit, I kind of felt, you know, I, like I said, I had, I grew up watching my dad, you know, he was a, he was a big golfer. Like that was his thing. He worked two jobs. He was a fireman. He was a carpenter on the side, you know, obviously to, to help pay for, you know, expenses in our home. And my sister and I were both, you know, full-time and athletic. So, um, you know, that was kind of like his, his thing to kind of get away and, you know, enjoy himself. And, uh, you know, so I grew up and, pretty much you know on a golf course with my dad quite a bit and you know it, the the you know the golf part was obviously great but then it was kind of the after part of like you know just always being in a bar and you know watching my dad drink and be social and you know it felt very kind of just natural to me and you know but it was a lot and then when I got older I kind of figured out like he liked to do that stuff quite a bit and um you know I don't know. It just, I felt like when I got to college age and I, you know, I, I could, I got my first experience. I just kind of felt like I was home and that's where I, you know, felt comfortable in my own skin. Um, you know, I was a shy kid growing up, but you know, as I got a little bit older and I got some more confidence and hockey was starting to go well for me. Um, you know, that's when I really kind of 
you know, everything seemed seemingly kind of like took off for me um, with the drinking. And, you know, in the beginning, it was fun, you know, um, but I, I could never seem to really control it. Um, you know, a couple nights out a week with the guys and then that turned into that. I, I needed to do, you know, more than that. And then it was, you know, three or four times a week and on the weekends, you know, depending on our schedules, you know, even during hockey season, you know, I was pretty much an every night guy. I had a couple of bars in particular that I like to spend time at. Um, and, uh, and I would say it didn't take long, probably, you know, I want to say about first, almost towards the end of the first semester of college, you know, I had really just kind of had its grip on me. So, um, and like I said earlier, you know, I don't, could have been maybe some concussion things, maybe, um, maybe it was the start of some anxiety, some stress. I'm not really sure. Like, again, it's kind of a tough thing to really pinpoint. But, um, you know, I would say by the end of my, the first semester of my college career um, is when I, you know, I mean, I wouldn't admit it, but that's really when the, the drinking started getting out of control. Uh, my grades were terrible. I wasn't going to school. I was That was starting to, you know, make my, my hockey stuff stop for quite a bit. And uh, I would say, you know, it, it went from there four years of just a continuous struggle um, to stay sober, to be sober. Um, I did have some spurts um, where, you know, um, the coaching staff tried to help. They got me involved with some stuff on campus. Um, obviously, there were some coaches involved, not with hockey per se, but, you know, within the Providence system. Um that you know we're we're sober um and we're willing to help out and i think i was just at a point where you know i'm a young kid and you know i felt you know i was an athlete i felt invincible i felt like i could just take on the world and um didn't work out so well so um i would say for the next few years um you know, until I left college, my drinking got, you know, to, to a pretty wild level. Um, it was, I would say consistently, you know, if I took a night off, that would be a rarity. Um, so it was, it was pretty much an every night thing with me in school. Um, and then, you know, once I left college, um, it just never really kind of slowed down. So, um, I want to say from, you know, the time I left college until um, I got sober when I was about 30, 31, um, I lived pretty much in a blackout, to be honest. Uh, you know, it was a, it was an every night thing. Um, I, I, you know, it just, I, I totally lost control. I kind of turned into like a shell of myself. Um, you know, I had, I had, had some spurts uh, playing pro hockey. Um, unfortunately, I I couldn't keep it together uh, personally to kind of you know stick and stay. 
um, with the team long enough to really kind of get anything going. And, you know, I pretty much drank my way out of every city that I played in. So, um, you know, it was a tough, it was a tough go. And I, and I knew it deep down that I couldn't really, you know, I couldn't really control this thing anymore. It was an everyday thing. Um, you know, and when, in my earlier days, I would say it was more of a, I wasn't a wake up and, and start drinking guy. Um, it was more, you know, I could make it through most of the day, but I would have a lot of anxiety. And then once I kind of got to that afternoon time, um, that's when it really started. And it was, you know, again, I was a, I was a blackout drinker. So I would be, you know, I would drink until I passed out. Uh, and that was an everyday occurrence. And, um, you know, it, and that was something that I, I struggled with, uh, for quite a long time. So, and I had some good, you know, opportunities. I, I ended up coaching at a young age, um, uh, got into, got into that side, um, did okay with it. Uh, but again, it was just, you know, um, I wouldn't say I really wore, wore out my welcome anywhere. I just couldn't keep it together. Um, and you know, I would have to hide a lot of things and, you know, obviously I had to hide my drinking and, um, so as I moved into my later years, um, I want to say probably, you know, later twenties going into my thirties, um, that's when I, it was really like a, an all day thing, you know, but you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm happy, I'm alive. Um, right. you, you got a son and he's got a game tonight, right? We got, we got, I got, uh, I got two boys. Uh, they get, they're both playing hockey this, this hockey season. So we got practice tonight. So I'm on the ice with one of them, which is fantastic. This is our first like year that we have both my sons playing full time. Um, yeah. And I get to coach them both, which is fantastic. And, um, you know, definitely, definitely wouldn't be here without, uh, you know, the, without the sobriety thing, I don't think anything of this, I don't think any of this would happen. I don't think I would be here to be honest with you. And, um, so I'm a very blessed and very grateful. And, um, you know, like I said, the last 12 or 13 years has been extremely, you know, up and down, but you know, the majority good. And, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm happy. I I'm able to deal and cope with things in a, in a good way. And so how did you get to sobriety? What was the, what was the magic turning? Point? Uh, um, I mean, you know, I, I had a, I had a normal, pretty normal childhood. I mean, you know, we grew up, my mom's British. My dad's from the Boston area. Um, I, I would say at face value, we had a, you know, everything looked like a, you know, the, the, the white house and the picket fence and all that. And, you know, my dad worked two jobs. He was a Boston fireman. My mom was a hairdresser and uh, my sister and I were both kind of, you know, got into athletics at a young age we both kind of excelled both of us so but it was kind of I, I you know it's really hard to kind of pinpoint where it all kind of went wrong for me you know I was a I was a pretty quiet kid I was pretty shy like you know I never really felt comfortable in my own skin and but athletics kind of helped me get over that hump a little bit and then once I got to like high school age, things really started to take off athletically and this specifically hockey started getting a little confidence, um, started getting some, some nice opportunities. I was able to go to some pretty nice, uh, high schools towards the end of my high school career, ended up getting drafted by the Chicago Blackhawks in the NHL. And, uh, I played some pretty high level junior hockey and I was able to, 
get a scholarship to play Division One college hockey at uh, Providence College, which was uh, which was awesome. I want to say it was probably around. I don't know. I hockey is a brutal sport. Um, I know a lot of guys kind of suffer with a lot of, you know, alcoholism, drug abuse, and I, I think a lot of that's probably from you know head contact stuff. Which you know, around when I was around you know seventeen ish, you know, I had rung my bell a bunch. Uh, but playing junior hockey, I do. There was this you know one time I I got knocked out cold, kind of a cheap shot, and kind of from that point, that was about mid season of that year. And from that point, I never really kind of just felt ever felt normal. Um, really kind of struggled with a lot of stuff. Just you know, um, started getting a lot of anxiety and. Um, you know, had trouble being in lights. I had trouble like sitting on the bench at times during games. Um, so alcohol kind of, you know, I was playing, I was a young kid. I was still in high school playing junior hockey and, you know, most of my teammates were all in, you know, 19, 20, 21. So a lot of those guys were out of high school and already, you know, partying a little bit. And, um, and that's when the, the, the alcohol stuff really started to kind of like become prevalent in my life. Um, and, and then when I got to college, that was really kind of when it really accelerated. Um, you know, again, it's, it's so hard to pinpoint, you know, whether it's, you know, maybe some concussion issues, uh, coupled with, you know, anxiety, depression, um, stress, you know, playing division one yeah. hockey, playing division one hockey. There's, you know, it was, I had some great teammates. I played with some fantastic guys. Um, some are still my friends to this day, but it's, you know, it's a highly competitive environment. And, um, you know, so I think a lot of that stuff just kind of, you know, took control and, uh, it didn't take me long for me to go down the tubes pretty fast. So I would say by the end of the first semester, I was, failing out of school. Um, I was ineligible to play hockey and obviously that didn't go over well with the coaching staff. Um, and it just seemingly never recovered from there. So, you know, four years of college and year after year, it just progressively got worse and worse and worse. It got to the point, you know, my junior and senior, I would say I was drinking every night, um, to a blackout and, um, you know, coming to the rink either drunk or hungover most days and uh, not going to school. And, um, you know, it really, once you start going down the rabbit hole and you don't want to face reality, you just kind of, you know, I just kind of didn't want to deal with it. And um, it, it certainly wasn't from, you know, I had the help. I had the resources. My coaches tried to help. I think I was just young and, um, you know, I was an athlete. I, I thought I could do it on my own. So, and I did have some spurts where I, I tried, um, but it didn't last long. And then once I left college, so I would say, you know, around 21. So the next 10 years, I got sober at 31. Um, so the next 10 years, it was, um, you know, high field anxiety, depression, um, I had some opportunities to play a pro hockey. Those didn't go well. I couldn't stay sober. I was, you know, same thing coming to the rink, you know, hung over as hell. 
smelled like booze, uh, playing drunk. And, um, obviously that's a, not a good way to play hockey. So, um, and then I got, you know, off and on and in between those, those times I, I got into coaching and, um, had some great opportunity there as well, but I just seemingly couldn't, you know, it was just hard to hide the drinking. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people were catching on or catching wind that, you know, I was struggling with some stuff and, um, you know, I feel like today it's pretty nice. Like, I feel like a lot of people are pretty open about it, which is cool. Um, but I felt like it was maybe not so much taboo, but you know, no one really, you know, I had some people come and approach me about it, but not many. And, you know, and if something went wrong or I could have been drunk, you know, I would say the wrong things. I, I definitely didn't do myself any favors. So when, um, when you were 31, what was your turning point? Um, 31. Um, at that point I was an everyday drinker waking up in the morning, um, had to drink or have a couple of drinks at least to take the edge off. Um, I could maintain for part of the day, but you know, I was an all day, everyday drinker. So, and same thing, blood to a blackout. There was no, you know, I didn't have an off at an off switch. So, um, and it finally got to the point for me at, at that time where, um, I woke up in a hospital chained to a bed. So, um, you know, I'm, I almost died at the hospital. Um, and then waking up in a room and I had nothing at that point, really. Um, I had no friends. I had no family, my family pretty much disowned me. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess it was at that point where, um, you know, and I had, I did have a couple times where I tried to get sober, um, but I didn't give much of an effort to do so. And this kind of this last time that it just kind of, you know, I said, you know, people asked if I would go to treatment and I said, yes. Um, I went to some not so very nice places to get sober and I was around people that I wasn't used to being around. And, um, you know, but I, I kinda, I stuck with it and, um, I would say probably within that, you know, that first year was really hard. Um, you know, I, I had the shakes for quite a while in the beginning um, you know, my hands would tremble uncontrollably. I had a hard time eating. Um, I had put on a lot of weight. So, you know, being a former athlete, you know, I was probably up to close to, you know, 270 or 280, which is, you know, when I, I think my playing weight was probably around like 215, 220. So I was fat. I'm 6'3. So I'm a big guy, but I was. I was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty lean guy and I looked like, I looked like a sumo wrestler. My face and my face was like yellow. I was like jaundice all over my little, my liver was shutting down. Um, you know, I was in pretty bad shape. So, um, things definitely yeah. worked out for you now. It was, it was a, you know, I met, I met some, I, I met some good people in, in sobriety in the beginning. Um, one guy in particular, I'm, I'm still friends with to this day. Um, and I've, and I've met so many awesome people, um, you know, along the way that, 
you know, it's, it's just a, it's one of those, you know, I, I feel like it's, you know, I'm not a, I should probably be more of a godly person. I don't, I, unfortunately I'm not, but I grew up in a Catholic home and, you know, going to church every Sunday and I went to Catholic high school and I went to Catholic college. You would think I would, you know, find the God thing pretty easy, but, um, you know, I do feel in that, in that instance, it was a kind of a, just a godly intervention that just, you know, it was time. And, um, I knew I was going to die if I didn't do it. So, um, and I just kind of, you know, right, wrong or indifferent, just the guys that I was around or the people that I was around when I, when I first got into the program and was going through treatment and all that, um, to just those, some of those guys stuck with me for the first year or so. And, um, we all kind of went through it together and, um, and it just kind of sent me on this path that, um, you know, and, and things slowly started to come back. Um, you know, I, I, I literally started, I was so out of shape. I would just, I was, I was doing a treatment facility in the Boston area and I would just get up and I just put my headphones on and I just go for a walk. I just walk for miles around the city, you know, and it'd been, been so long, like, you know, you almost like don't appreciate Boston cause we live there, you know, we're always in the city and go to Red Sox games and Bruins games and, you know, you know, where, where everything is and just walking around and the people and, you know, just feeling that, you know, going through the day without having a drink and just kind of taking everything in every, you know, day to day. Um, and yep. then I, then I started slowly kind of getting back into the gym a little bit and, you know, started working out again and that kind of gave me some purpose and, um, you know, and then the, I would say probably after that first year or so, I got back into coaching and, um, that really kind of gave me some purpose again. You know, I had felt like I kind of, you know, pissed my career away, so to speak. Um, what level, and, co- what level were you coaching? Um, so I, I moved back here in 2009. Um, I was, I was playing hockey down in, in, uh, Orlando, Florida, and I moved back here in 09 and, uh, but wasn't doing well. And, uh, so I got sober up here and, um, and I, so I got back into coaching in this area. So I knew some people obviously from growing up and I started reaching out and I was fortunate. Uh, someone offered me a job just coaching like high school age kids. So I did that for a couple of years and then that turned into a program director job. So I ended up kind of like overseeing a, an entire youth club program and um, stuck with that. I kind of started bouncing around rank to rank and um you know, trying to build my name up a little bit. And, uh, and then I started getting into skill development and kind of helping kids and mentoring kids. Um, and, and it's just kind of, you know, continue to keep growing and growing. And I've had so many different opportunities. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, I ended up coaching a a women's professional team, which I never thought I would do that in a million years. And it was probably one of the most, um, 
rewarding coaching things I think I've ever done. Is and that the so, league that has about six teams? And so, yep, correct. Yep, down um, it, one of their teams. The uh, the Boston. Well, I coach the Boston Pride, uh, obviously the local team here, um, and I think they're up to they're up to six teams now. You got Montreal, Toronto, Connecticut. Um, there's a team out of New York, uh, Minnesota, and I, mean, I know I'm going to forget one, but um, well, you just did six. You just did. Did, six. I, did I do six? Okay. Well, I can't count that well either. So, um, but no, it was a it was an awesome experience. Um, you know, so and it's I've and now it comes full circle. Like, and and I work with you know I work with players in the summer as well. I kind of have like my own thing that I do and. Um, you know, I work with high school age kids, junior age level, college guys. I've had some professional players as well. We've had some NHL guys come out from time to time. So it's been like a really cool, you know, for me, um, that's been like the, 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 the best part is, you know, being a hockey person my whole life and kind of feel like I go ahead. You, you get the, the, you're putting all your energy into the hockey and that's what takes that energy away from the idea of drinking. It's like I myself personally, I had a, a gambling issue yep. and and I put it all into playing baseball and coaching baseball. You know, so I got high on hitting a home run. I got high on winning a game and striking out the number four hitter on the other team. You know, there's different ways of reaching that same level because you're a competitive guy and you've got to have to stay competitive. And Yeah, and, it was a. Uh... I, I, I'm, I'll be honest with you. Like, you know, I did, I did AA in the beginning. I did the treatment stuff. I was in a couple of facilities. I lived in a sober home, which was all, you know, just like a, you know, it was, did had its good and it had its bad. And, and then I, I would say once I got close to about a year sober, um, I went out on my own, I got my own place, kind of like trying to rebuild my life a little bit. Um, and and then I kind of, I don't know, I just, I, I couldn't get into the AA thing. I tried, um, you know, whether it's right or wrong, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm still going to this point. Um, and I still talk to people that are in the program. Um, and I still help people along the way when I can. Um, I've had some hockey players, you know, uh, get put in front of me and, I've tried to help there and some friends and people that I know and uh, even some, some players that I've coached some of their parents. Um, so, it, you know, I, I'm still, I'm not in the program per se, um, but you know, I do, you, you know, you still have to give back. You still have to help. Um, so I still do those things. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not in the program. I just kind of, you know, I feel like I have some sort of a higher power that just kind of keeps me level headed. And, you know, I try to stay structured with my life as much as I can. Like I said, I've got plenty of ups and downs and, um, but you know, it's, I thought about going back, um, you know, popping into a meeting. There's some days where I'm just like, you know, I'm having a, a rough time and, um, you know, that, that urge to, that urge to drink is always going to be there, I, I think. So one at a time though, you just have to get through the each yeah. day. Yeah. You know, and that's where but, I, and that's where I keep it. I keep it within the day and, 
Um, you know, and I have a, I have a very strong support system. My wife is, you know, fantastic. And, um, she keeps me level-headed and on the right track. And, um, and then my, my sons are, you know, it's like I said, like I, I get, I'm getting to coach them in hockey now. And, um, how old are they? uh, there's seven and six. My oldest right. is actually, he's turning eight next month. So they're about, uh, 16, 17 months apart, which is great. So except when they want to fight each other, uh, but, uh, no, they're good. They're good, great kids. And, um, you know, it's, it's just been, you know, for me, like, you know, I, I don't really go much into my childhood and anything like that. And like, you know, like I said, it at face value is a pretty, you know, but yeah. my dad, both, both my parents were heavy drinkers. I watched my dad drink, you know, I watched my parents go through a nasty divorce and most of it was over the booze and, you know, shit like that. So, um, well, I- the gene was in your system. So you were susceptible to it. So, yeah, well, my dad was a, my dad was a, you know, he worked, he worked two jobs. He was a hardworking guy. He grew up in a family of nine, uh, in high park. So, you know, and back then it was just different, um, you know, how they were raised and, you know, and how I was raised. I, you know, I'm going through it with my sons now, like just the, the parent of today's era is so much different than, you know, when I grew up as a kid. So, you know, but I mean, some of it's good, I think, but a lot of it, I don't think was that great. So, you know, and I watched my, you know, I watched my dad, you know, we've, he was a, his, his kind of off time that he liked to just go and unwind and enjoy himself was, was spent on a golf course, which I spent many a days with him on golf course. But then a lot of that time was also spent in the bar afterwards. So, you know, having my mom come to the golf course and pick up my dad. Cause he's, you know, half in the wrapper and, you know, and I'd be sitting on the bar stool as a kid right next to him. So when I got to college, especially, you know, sitting at a bar and being on the bar stool, I just kind of like, it made me feel comfortable if that's probably sounds weird, but. Age uh, was 18, wasn't it? Um, It was no, <laughs> but I went to school in Providence. So. Uh, yeah, that's a, it's a little, uh, I understand the, you don't go too far to find beer. That was you know? the, uh, buddy, that was a buddy Cianci day. So in Providence was the wild west and the mafia was still running around. And, um, but you know, there was a couple local college bars that it was a pretty, pretty easy thing to just, you know, you flash an ID and you'd get in and, um, you know, but that's where I kind of felt at home, um, which is sad, but it's the truth. Um, you know, once, once I, once I got to college, that's like I said, that's when my drinking kind of really took off. And, um, and I just, I couldn't get, a, I couldn't get grips on it ever. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse, you know, year after year for the four years. So, um, you know, I said it on, I, I'm a part of that, the podcast with Ben, who you know, well, and, um, yeah, we, I've shared my story on there, you know, plenty of times, but it's, um, you know, I mean, I don't have myself to blame, but it was, you know, and I, it's a great college, but it was, a, it was certainly a tough experience for me. Um, that should have been four years of like a, a good experience. And, you know, that, that's kind of like, you know, when I think back, that's really like, you know, those were some really tough years for me. So, and, uh, you think you 
up a, a, a professional career with the Blackhawks? By you think the alcohol? Yeah. Well, I I mean you know there is um, not as of late since COVID I've kind of you know been off track a little bit from you know the working out and um, but I would say well from when I got sober up until you know up and close to about you know forty ish I was a big time into the gym and um, you know I'm like man I wish I did this uh, when I was younger. And obviously because of my alcoholism kind of didn't allow me to do that. But I do think, you know, would I have made it to the NHL? I don't know. Um, I still got an opportunity to play some pro hockey, not at a very high level, but um, you know, I think if I had my wits about me and I was able to really kind of concentrate and, you know, um, obviously not drinking would have kind of kept me, you know, my, my motivation was certainly there. Like I said, I, I went into college, you know, I had everything going in the right direction and everything going for me, but, um, I just, you know, once the, once the alcohol kind of took, you know, sunk it hook, it's hooks in, I just, I couldn't, uh, it, and it happened really fast. So, um, but you know, I try not to live in too much regret. So. Yeah. Were you a defensive player? Pardon me. Were you a defensive player, or were you no? I was actually. I grew up a defenseman for most of my career, and then around high school age, um, my high school coach uh, said, "You're going to make varsity hockey, but you're not going to be a defenseman. You're going to be a forward." And I was like, "Okay." Um, <laughs> you know, I I just wanted to be on the team at that point, so i said sure and it i mean hey it worked out i ended up getting drafted as a forward and i played in college as a forward so um you know probably the right move um but you know yeah i I try not to dwell but i do there are times where you know even still i'm like man i wish i you know you watch games and you know and then i'm i'm still involved coaching and you know i work with players and um you know i miss it because i feel like i missed you know, I miss like I'm watching these guys go through it, and I'm like, man, I I miss this stuff. Like, I I didn't get an opportunity to do it the right way. So, um, but like I said, I'm I'm here. I'm happy. I'm healthy, and, uh, and I have two beautiful two beautiful kids that are now playing. So, you know, hopefully, I can. You know, if they, I I hope they play. I mean, it's not you know, it's certainly going to be their decision whether they you know want to play and do it serious and at a high level. And hopefully I can help them if that's the case and guide them in the right direction. So um, I was going to say, don't, don't try to live your second round through them. No, 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 I'm I'm definitely not going to do that. Guys do that and they burn their kid out by the time they're 12 years old, you know? So it's like, yeah, no, we talk, we, we, you know, even on the podcast that, you know, I'm a part of, we talk about, you know, I, my boys are playing baseball. They're playing lacrosse, you know, when hockey season's over, we put the stuff away a little bit and kind of, you know, I I think it's good for them. And I want them to kind of choose my, my older boy right now really loves baseball. He's super passionate about it. Um, He's a bigger kid. He got an opportunity to pitch this year is like his first year playing real baseball. Um, he loves pitching. He's like, you just want, like, I can just tell, like, you know, you can, you can just see the fire in his eyes when he walks out in the field and he's excited. And, you know, 
um, he get, he likes skate, he likes hockey, but he, you know, that passion is not quite as much as I see, you know, when he's, when he's playing baseball. So, and my little guys, like he's, he's, he's doing great at everything. He likes lacrosse. He likes baseball, hockey. Eh, he, you know, <laughs> some days he likes it. Some days he doesn't, but he's only six. So, um, but it, you know, no, it's, it's, if anything, it, you know, I keep, I tell him all the time. I'm like, listen, I don't, I don't care if you play hockey, like long-term, I just want you to meet some friends. And I think it'll be a good, you know, way for you to, you know, deal with some adversity. Cause both of them, you know, they're both really big kids and they kind of struggle a little bit with some of the skills and the skating. And, you know, and I said, listen, this is a, you know, it's a long-term process. You got a long ways to go. Just have fun. And I wanted to ask you, what about do you go to any places where you do speeches in front of lots of people? And I know there's a guy named Allison who does it with baseball and he yeah, went no. down, drafted and he tells his story in front of, you know, he was involved with opioids because of his injury. Yeah. And, uh, um, so I have been, I have been asked to go on a couple of occasions that, you know, if I would be interested in doing something like that, um, you know, I certainly would. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not ashamed of my story and, um, you know, and I think a lot of people already kind of know that I, you know, that I am sober and kind of my, my story a little bit. So, um, you know, I would definitely love to go into some high school or college locker rooms and kind of share my story a little bit. And, um, you know, it, it, I mean, the play, the players and the kids nowadays, and I'm not saying that it, you know, that stuff doesn't still exist because it, it does. Um, but you know, I don't, I feel like the kids are a little bit more on the straight and narrow, not all of them, but. Uh, no, the big, but, the big thing though, is that with opioids, especially they get an injury and they get somebody in a, in a lab coat, giving them a prescription for opioids. And the next yeah. thing you know, they say, wow, this stuff is pretty amazing. And all of a sudden the, the game is on, you know? Oh yeah. So, no, I've, I, I know, I know plenty of guys that struggled with that as well. Um, and you know, and that's a, you know, that's a really tough one to come back from as well. Um, and it's, and I've seen some, some guys that have really gone down deep. Um, and it's, it's sad, you know, it's all sad. So whether it's alcohol, whether it's, I mean, it's all the same thing, right? It's, it's it's an addiction. It's addiction. Yep. So, I mean. And there's so many different types of addiction. Um, I do think they're all kind of, you know, intertwined. So, you know, there's a, there's a process that you have to go through to get out of it. And you have to just kind of like let it all go and entrench yourself into getting better and doing the steps and, um, you know, whether it's alcohol anonymous, uh, NA gamblers anonymous. I mean, it, you know, there's, there's a process to get better and there's plenty of people that want to help. Um, and you know, especially in this country nowadays, like mental health is a really big kind of issue. Um, it is. the drug, the drug, especially on the drug side, the drug ep- epidemic is, you know, it's scary. Um, and some of the drugs that are coming into this country that, you know, some of these kids are taking and, you know, especially like the fentanyl stuff, that stuff, it's, it's, you know, I mean, 
you you've seen it in recent, you know, especially over the last like couple of years, guys are out with some buddies and they're partying and they take something and they're dead because it's laced with fentanyl. That's correct. And that's the biggest thing is today. I mean, you asked me 10 years ago and I would tell you that 75% of the people who were addicted got a prescription from the doctor. Yeah. And that's the ones who eventually would lead to death today. The overdoses are only 30% from prescription and the other 70% are a lot of one time, two time users yep. who got even marijuana and got laced with fentanyl yeah. and, and the artificial pills and a variety of other things. And once that, you know, unless your drug dealer is a, is a chemist, uh, they don't know how much fentanyl they're putting in with this stuff. And, no. you know, it's mind boggling because they're killing their customers. You know, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure we could do a whole other show and my conspiracy theories on that whole thing and where it's coming from. And, you know, but it's, you know, I mean, I, I don't have many conversations with some of the kids that come through and skate. And I, I think they, you know, I've had some kids ask me and, you know, and I've told some stories and, you know, but obviously today's day and age, is it's quite different. And like you just mentioned, you know some of the stuff that's out on the street, it's, you know, these, I don't think the kids realize that, you know, you have a couple drinks and then that turns into you're with some people and somebody offers you something and, you know, Hey, let's have a good night. And then it turns into, you know, you're not waking up. So that's a pretty scary, but it's a very real reality that's out there right now that, um, I don't think a lot of these kids understand. So it's, uh, you know, now being a, being a parent and, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I think I'm very far off from those conversations, but, you know, I definitely have it in the back of my brain that, you know, but I mean, the, the best I can do is be open with my sons and, you know, let them know that, you know, I had some issues with some stuff back in the day and, um, you know, I mean, my hope is they'll never see me drink a drop of alcohol. So I think that will kind of help, um, you know, and then just have conversations and, um, you know, let them know what's out there. And, you know, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, you know, especially from a parent standpoint, it's, it's gotta be a really difficult thing to try to navigate through. Um, you know, especially, especially right now, um, you know, cause there is some stuff, you know, it's not, it's not like, you know, weed from Vermont and that was grown in the mountains, you know, 20 years ago, this is everything synthetic. There's a lot of different street drugs out there. Um, you know, and then you mix fentanyl into that mix too. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot of scary stuff out there right now. So Big thing parents need to know is they need to have that conversation when the kids are 11 or 12 years old. Oh yeah. It started, it's starting younger and younger in junior high and, and the pressure is already there. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is, and I, you know, I have this conversation with parents too on the hockey front, you know, like social media, kids on phones, Instagram, TikTok, all these things, they expose these kids to a plethora of things that, they shouldn't really be seeing. So, you know, wh- whether it's the porn industry, drugs, you name it, it's, 
not really hard for these kids at a very young age to find this stuff on the internet and on some of these social media platforms. So um, that's another one, you know, again, and it kind of goes back to the parent, right? Like, well, you, you've got to have conversations with your kids, you know, and you want to, you want them to be free and have some freedom and grow up and just be a kid too. But, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff out there that's, you know, I feel like our, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 45 and I feel like, you know, there was no cell phones. You know, if you wanted to call your buddy, you had to, you know, run in the house, use your house phone and dial their number and ask their mom and dad if they were around. And, um, now it's just like these kids have everything right at the, the palm of their hand. So it's, uh, it's pretty wild. Well, the real good thing is if they're on the ice skating, they can't be on their cell phone. Yeah. And that's, and honestly, and that's, that's the biggest reason I have my sons in sport. I, I, you know, I, again, like if they excel at sports and they, they want to play a sport, you know, and aspire to be some sort of a professional athlete. Great. But again, I I just, I want to put them in sports to keep them active, keep them out of trouble. And, uh, and for the most part, even at the young age right now, like, you know, it just, you know, they've got so much going on. They don't have time for any, anything else. So um, I feel sports is a very good kind of path to kind of keep kids, you know, on the straight and narrow for sure. It is, as long as you don't put too much pressure on them on the, the art Correct. of winning. You know, Correct. The, um, I watched, I coached many years. I'm 30 years older than you. And and I, it's amazing how the kids in – and um, like in Little League that made the all-star team, most of them never played high school baseball. Yeah. The kids, the kids who really worked at it that weren't as talented at that age, they became the varsity team. You know, it's how it's amazing how the things rotated so quickly. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And the, 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 uh, the hockey world has very changed very, very much since I was a kid. So – um, it's very high stressed. It's, it's, uh, it's not a lot of town. It's not a lot of town team stuff anymore. It's, it's all very club driven and high pressure and got to make this team and do this tournament and do all this stuff. And, you know, I just want my kids to be kids and yeah, enjoy and, and, and have fun and make friends. And, you know, so I feel like I'm doing the right things. I hope. <laughs> yeah, the big thing getting a degree and not having to pay for it because you got a scholarship. And then whatever happens after that is wonderful good, you know, but at least you got a degree so you can go and you don't have a two hundred thousand dollar bill to pay, you know. Yeah, so, no, I'm I'm trust me, I'm I look back, I'm very fortunate with a lot of things that I've been given in my life and um you know, and I try to give back as much as I can and and help, you know and help players kind of navigate through whatever level they're at. Um, you know, I had a kid, I got a kid at a, a pro camp right now. That's, you know, he's, he's been there three days. He's pretty much called me every day, a couple times a day. And, you know, we're not even talking about, you know, we're just talking about life and just, you know, it's more of just like mental stuff. And I, the first day he was there, he was all wound up and, you know, it's like take a deep breath one day at a time type of philosophy. You know, sure. just just stay within yourself and take a deep breath and, you know, everything's going to be OK. And, 
you know, if you don't make the team, everything's still going to be okay. And, uh, you know, so, um, it is nice to kind of give back in that sense. And, um, you know, it, it definitely makes me feel good, good about, you know, being able to stay in the sport and be involved in the sport, even though I'm not playing anymore. Um, they're you know, out and then, you know, pardon me. They're out older leagues. I have a guy that works for me who's 50. <laughs> oh yeah. You can, you can still play until you men's men's league is alive and well. And I know plenty of guys that play well up into their later age in life. And you know, it's, Hey, it's a great sport. He's a goalie. He can play five nights a week. He's getting oh, caught constantly. God, bl- God bless him. <laughs> yeah. They don't yeah. call him a for nothing. You know. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it's uh it's a great it's a great sport and, and some of my best friends still to this day, you know, are teammates that I played with when I was a kid and uh, it's just an it's just an I, I know I've got friends all over the world, all over the country. So, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty cool it's a definitely a cool sport and um exposes you to a lot. So, I'm very fortunate that I was able to play and play at a pretty high level. Well, Gordo, um, we're going to run out of time, and I know you've got to get your son dressed and get him on the ice. Yep. So I have one question. What question didn't I ask you that you wanted to answer? That what anything in particular that you you want to close with? No, I just if you know, for anybody that's listening and that's you know struggling out there, it's you know there's help. There's help. But I'm I'm you know I. Like I said, I've got I've got friends that are still, you know, I feel like a lot of people try to keep it under the radar. I'm I'm very open about it. Um and you know, I with social media, you name it. Like, you know, if you're struggling, you know, reach out to me. I don't care. Um there's people that there's a, there's a million resources out there. You just you just have to want to, you know, the the most important thing is you have to do it for yourself, right? So that was kind of the hard part for me. Like I didn't, you know, I was, I'd try to quit drinking here or there to kind of, you know, cause somebody else wanted me to stop drinking or, and then, you know, I, I, the, the, my last and final time around that I, you know, land in that hospital bed. That's when I just was like, I, I have to do this for me. Um, and only me. Um, which it, it, then that's not a selfish thing. It's, you know, you're not going to be beneficial or you're not going to be able to be there or help other people if you're not right yourself. So, um, if you're struggling out there, just reach out. There's, there's a, a, there's so many people. I mean, there's online stuff now there's, there's hotline numbers you can call. There's online meetings that you can attend and, and you right at the, again, at the palm of your hand, you can log into a meeting and, and listen to people talk and share their experiences. And, and that's for me, you know, one, you know, sharing my story is what kind of keeps me motivated and keeps me going. Um, and uh, that's why I'm, I'm pretty open about it. And, um, but you know, what kept me, going in the beginning was listening to people share their story um you know when you're going through it you think you're you're the worst case scenario right and and then you sit in a meeting and you discover very quickly that your bad day is not even close to some other people's bad day so um you know 
reach out, hang in there one day at a time. It's, you know, it's, it's not an easy process and it's not a short process. You're going to be in it for the long haul, but it's, you know, it's definitely well worth it. So. Certainly beats the alternative. Correct. And look at yourself. You have two boys and a wife that loves you and you got it right now. You get any, everything you want and you know, you're going to go coach one of your sons. Yeah. Things could be a lot worse. Things could be a lot worse. So So the name of the show is the courage to hope. And you have definitely got showed signs of hope for everybody. And you've taken a lot of courage to do what you did and to get to where you are today. So we want to thank Keith Gordo Gordon. Um, I think we can call him that. And uh, his mother would be happy. So yes. somebody calling him Heath again. Yeah. So, um, I would be, my would be proud. And again, this is the courage to hope. And we really want to thank Gordo for being our guest tonight. Yeah. Tony, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And it was finally nice to meet you. Um, Ben's Ben's told me a lot about you. So thanks so much. And um, again, to anybody listening out there, just, you know, if you're struggling, hang in there, ask for help and you'd be surprised. Very good.